Hey, it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. And I'm Dr. Lisa. Hey, how's it going? You guys okay out there? I know, it's a weird, weird, weird time. You know what I've noticed? I've noticed that now that that guy is out of office and we have kind of like a normal, I feel, you know what I'm going to tell you guys? I'm going to admit this. I'm going to admit uh, some vulnerability and weakness and thing I'm not proud of just because I want you to know that, you know, I'm, I, well, I am a little, I have some shame, but I'm not so, but not so much that I'm not going to say it because I am human and it's okay. So I'm going to say that I think I got a little addicted to the schadenfreude of Donald Trump. I think that I got a lot of anger out and by listening to him and what and then thinking of my and feeling superior to him and everyone in office and then also being entertained by how outrageous he was. And I think I, I was getting like a little hit of serotonin or something uh, out of that. And um, I feel I feel like I took some of that anger that I had and, and turned it inward, which is depression. I don't know. I don't know. I've been thinking about it. So that's, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, hey, listen, if you know somebody and they're in a really bad mood, that could be it, okay? I'm just trying to help, just trying to help. Anyway, thanks so much for listening to Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Dr. Lisa. I'm here every Thursday, 2 to 3, and uh, probing people's brains. Um, and um, I want to tell you about this really cool city running tours that we've been working with. They are really awesome and really, really great for your mental health, okay? Because running is great for your mental health, being outside, and also being with other people. And this is a great way to do it. So they have 23 different tours in Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, and Queens. And you can find out more about them at cityrunningtours.com. So the basic idea is they 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 show you different neighborhoods. So you're in a group and you're running around that neighborhood with it's a tour. They're touring the neighborhood with other people. It's good for you. I'm telling you you should go and it it, it it's a really great organization and uh check it out. Um and check out check us out, okay? This is a rough time when we we need we need help too, okay? So uh, go and check us out. Get some merch. We ha we still have some of our fifth anniversary T-shirts left and stuff like that. So I'm very excited about my guest today. He's been on before. He's uh, a favorite Dr. Lisa contributor here, Noah Becker. Hi, Noah. Hello. Good. How are you? I'm good. It's good to see you. So I'm going to tell you guys about Noah and why he's on today in particular. Okay. So Noah is the founder and publisher of White Hot Magazine. Okay. So that's a really popular art world magazine that has reviews and all sorts, you know, just everything. All right. So he's been doing this since 2005. But at the same time, uh, Noah, I'm going to call you an over, kind of a bit of an over, overachiever. 
an overachiever? I don't know. Maybe. Mm. He also has a very robust uh, painting practice, and his work is, is, is really, really amazing, and it's shown all over and sold all over, and all the things that anybody that paints wants. Uh, Noah has a lot. Well, I can't say all of it, but he has an, a lot of that. And uh, just so you know, okay, so you can check out his work on Instagram at New York Becker or his website, Noah Becker Art. And White Hot Magazine, you can find that, you know, online, whitehotmagazine.com. I'm not going to spell it out for you, okay? You can figure that out yourself. So, Noah, as you know, the reason I invited you on here today is because I was really taken with your latest way of communicating, which is writing stuff on Twitter, making screen grabs, and posting it on Instagram. And I, it's all, it's all about the art world. And you, you bring up some really fascinating, fascinating topics. Um, so anyway, I'll just keep going and just get it out of the way, okay? I'll get the whole explanation out of the way for everybody, and then we can really dig into it. But so, guys, listen. So Noah has this great thing going, and he's been bringing up what I really want to talk about is the questions that he's been raising about the art world. And I also believe that they're personal to him as well as an artist. And they're really about how the art world has really been totally changed by the pandemic and not because of the pandemic itself, but the dynamic that has been set up with everything online and that there's no real concentration of socializing like at art fairs and art openings and art galleries that we're used to. So that's changed the whole dynamic. And Noah is very, very active in so many different ways. And I think he uh, has some really good, I think he, he has some really good dialogues going. I think, you know, his posts are, you know, highly noted by many, many people and they start all sorts of conversations. So I'm just going to mention a few of the topics, the questions that I'm, I'm telling you what he says, okay? This is what they say. I'm just at telling you briefly. So one of them says, how does the pandemic affect an artist's career? Uh, he has a cartoon that shows, uh, like, that basically says, uh, you can work hard if you achieve anything, but it's sort of as a myth between artists born into wealth and privilege and children of poor people, that they, that we are sold, children of poor people are told, if you work hard, you can achieve anything. Um, how should artists act during a pandemic? How can the art world function and sell art without the party aspect? Art is meaningless. Art is meaningless anyway. 500 years from now, only a certain amount of art produced will be in mu museums, but we don't know which art. Avoid career envy. Visual culture in 2021 is making a painting a ho-hum exercise now. My cat memes have over 4,000 views. Is there no point? So you get what I'm saying, guys. That's what we're going to be talking with Noah today. Hi, Noah. 
Aye. So um, there are a bunch of themes in there. They mostly have to do with whether art is relevant, whether artists are relevant, and whether what we're doing makes a difference. Is that for you personally? Like, does that is that questions that you're asking yourself? What are the questions mm. that you're asking yourself? Mm. I have a tendency to kind of well, absorb a lot of that from environmental things. Mm-hmm. What is? What do you mean? Well, if you're dealing with a lot of text, like if somebody sends, like we're, we've been doing about 10,000, publishing about 10,000 words a week for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So if you're dealing with that much text and it's a lot of ideas about art, sometimes a bunch of different things um, get into your head and um, you know, stick there and then kind of um, change. So maybe some of those thoughts came from someone else and then they kind of changed in my head over the years mm -hmm. and well, then they came out in a different form. I'm wondering if some of those themes are themes that you're thinking about personally, like because you, you're painting, you're, I get the feeling that you're doing a lot of painting I through am. the pandemic, right? I so am. do you get those feelings like, you know, what yeah, is this relevant? Yeah, I, I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to like think about what I'm thinking about at the time as opposed to preparing a statement that isn't honest to try and somehow manipulate people in a certain direction. So are those thoughts derived from your own thinking about painting, about your own painting? Um, they are, um, yeah, they're, they're, some of them are, are just kind of uh, thoughts or philosophies on uh, the way I think about my own, um, the way I think about my own work. Mm -hmm. Like it's for a bit of a, Hmm. I was going to say, for example, do you worry about all the work that you're doing if it's meaningless, like in a way really, that you wouldn't really, have before? I don't really worry, per se. I don't know if worry is necessarily the word. Um, mm -hmm. If I Maybe if I was knitting, worrying would go could go with knitting. Mm -hmm. I find painting to be more relaxing than worrisome. Mm -hmm. I've been trying to relax in general. Good. You know, like you're doing something and you feel like your shoulders are up. Like, I feel like my shoulders have been tense and just just trying to, like, be aware of, mm -hmm. of the body, mm -hmm. the condition of the body, the, the state of stress or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but the 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 like the meaning like in before times, like when you would be painting, you know, you could be thinking in terms of like a show or you know however studio visits things like that but mm. now the only the most likely way people are going to see your work for the moment is online right 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 and so has that changed your relationship with your work or i mean i'm i've been publishing my work as postcards um uh, 
that's so, kind of an interesting thing mm -hmm. i haven't just usually if i have a postcard it's because the gallery made it for a show not just because i want to publish it as a postcard maybe i'll make some posters next I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. well that's neat so you've been t-shirts a... haven't really been that that exciting people don't really buy that many t-shirts yeah i know really special yeah unless yeah. they say make america great again on them <laughs> so are you i have seen your postcards now are you selling those i mean is that I, the kind I've of been thing selling them five postcards for twenty dollars that's pretty good or ten postcards for forty dollars oh, let's push it on your website can people get them on your website well, they can just message me on instagram or or they can message me on facebook or they can email me my email is noah at whitehotmagazine.com so is that a different way? Like, is that born I out Venmo, of... I take PayPal. Venmo. <laughs> you you're, you're a full service. Bill. Wow, really? Cash? Just put one in an envelope. Yeah. Um, so um, that sounds like something. Is that something that is pandemic inspired, like getting your work out by... I think just reaching out a little bit more directly mm -hmm. and letting something... Um, physical show up in the mail is mm -hmm. is nice and um, I use white gloves so there's no germs on any of the postcards oh that's good to know and yeah. you can always wash them off or okay. wash your hands you spray you them throw you can your spray. throw your postcards in the washer and dryer they're probably <laughs> won't very, very readable <laughs> Well, and you know, looking but, like a Gerhard Richter or something by the time they come out of the wash cycle. Well, you know, any germs that are on them aren't going to be yours anyway. They'd probably be uh, there. You know, this your germs would be dead because they'd be coming from Canada or something. Speaking can they? Yeah. Can your germs go through the border? Uh, I don't know about I, that. Probably yeah, probably not. Speaking of speaking of germs in the mail, you know, somebody mailed me a vial of human blood. Get the fuck out! Yeah. Who did and that and why? It was like, it was like when? A, That's disgusting. A, a couple of years, a couple of years ago, this, and then the next day, the FBI called me. Really? Yeah, and they said, Jeffrey Deitch, Larry Gagosian, you, and a few other people were mailed this vial of human blood. Wow. There was a couple of other people, and now. That's what the FBI said. I don't actually have. That's a good group to be included. I don't have though. confirmation from those other people whether they actually received it or whether it was taken in by their assistant or whatever. But mm -hmm. there was a certain number of prominent people in the art world that were sent this vial of human blood. Mm. It's not something that I really talked about on social media at the time because I didn't want to encourage it. How did it come? Like, was it in Even a Manila envelope? And was it in a bottle or? Yeah, it was in a like a plastic vial. And did it feel what it what? It was delicious. What did you make out of delicious? It was, delicious. It was good. <laughs> did Did you drink it all at once, or did you have like a little I party? Actually, I actually like punch. Sort of made a few cuts on my arm and just kind of gently rubbed it over the open wounds in my mm, arm. I like if that. It had HIV in it. I wanted to make sure that I could pick that up. Now yeah. it would be COVID. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That and then is I poured really... some of the blood all over my body. And no, I didn't but do anything. Where's the performance it. video of that? I was a little bit freaked out. Yeah, I would yeah. be. Who wouldn't be? Yeah. Did you ever hear anything else about it? Mm -mm. 
and I just didn't do anything about it either. I didn't follow up on it or anything. And Did I think what it ended up being was just like a very expressive artist trying to get people's attention. With yeah, this. it sounds like... And I it... don't think that they thought of it as a terrorist or bio threat when they did it. I think they thought of it as like a Herman Nietzsche thing or something like that. Yeah, or like that guy, you mean the guy that put his shit into can, can shit? Something like that, yeah. yeah so, so, is, is that the guy you're talking about? Is, did his name? No, he's dead. Pier, Piero Manzoni is... See, I said you know a lot about art. Uh, you're good. Well, you're good at all the. You're good at remembering all the names and dates too. Running, I think. Yeah, I try running Did, an art magazine. I mean, are, the, yeah. I had to look through articles and see where people are spelling artist names wrong. Oh, oh, okay. Well, but yeah. still, you took it on. That's pretty impressive. I try. Try my best. So I want to hear your thoughts on the way that people aren't the that we have removed the social aspect from the art world like what oh. what do you think what effect do you think that's having i'm just going to turn the volume down the social aspect can you hear that yeah little blurbs okay. instead of, or i could turn it up but i'm gonna turn it down like there we go um well here we are being artists and being social, even though it's on Zoom. Yeah, but it's not like we're at like an art fair getting drunk or something like the old days. Yeah. It's if we not, take, it's not if as... We just, maybe we need to take more drugs. Well, you know... Then we can be anywhere we want to be at any time. It was like there was this artist, Mike Nelson, who was showing the 303 gallery. Are you familiar with Mike Nelson? Mm, conceptual? I don't know. The name he did a sort of an installation and you would walk into this. It was, I don't know if this had walls or, or maybe this was a trailer or something. I don't remember exactly which one, but I remember seeing a photograph of one of his installations and there was like a counter and there was a clown mask or something. And there was a poster on the wall that said, don't walk, smoke a spliff and fly. I don't do drugs. I haven't done drugs in forever. Maybe I, I smoke pot, but I didn't inhale. You didn't inhale. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, where did that come from? Do you think a lot of people are doing drugs now or drugs mm, socialists? Well, I think a lot of, a lot of drink, drinking and drug use has gone up. Um, when you're tr locked into your apartment and terrified that when you go to the grocery store, you're going to end up dying in an unmarked grave it, it raises your stress level i could see that but yeah. you know i feel i'm gonna say this i feel like you avoided my question a little bit okay what was say the question again the question was it again uh, the, stop that it's okay, not I'll... it's not professional for my right, big sorry. audio recording here um so the i wanted to know what effect us all of the art world not getting together in person what effect do you think that's having do you imagine that's having on there's the two extreme world? effects there's two extreme effect extreme effects it'll have mm -hmm. um i uh, the the um the person who's kind of a genius who runs postmasters gallery mm -hmm. are you familiar with her yes magda yes she said something like, "It's the media. It's the asteroid or the meteor that that's like 
you know how that like the meteor that killed the dinosaurs or something it's like the meteor uh, that killed the art bears ah uh, could be she was she was talking about it in that way i don't remember the exact quote but i remember mm -hmm. i remember I like she that. said something like yeah so um, i don't know if that's going to be the case but certainly like i can't i mean the art fairs are have more than just art fair associated with them you have to fly there so there has to be a place that doesn't have a quarantine when you arrive because i can't see people going to an art fair two weeks in advance quarantining in a hotel and then going to an art mm -hmm. fair for a socially distanced we're talking party. i want to talk about like let's just talk about it, careers because that's what artists okay. that's what we really care that's what we care about our careers so how uh -huh. do you think like not being able to socialize is going to affect people's careers. Do you think, I mean, because a lot of, a lot of sales, a lot of connections, a lot of getting in shows, a lot of stuff, artists network in person a lot, right? Do you remember um, uh, Michael Anderson? Of course. Uh, he said, and of course he passed away recently, good yes. friend of many of our friends mm -hmm. um, and good, good friend of mine. He yes. said that, you know, there's a certain party aspect to um, um, everything in the art world. And mm -hmm. the collectors want to party and the dealers right. want to party and there's business and sales and stuff being done at those parties that make money because you're having some drinks, getting loose, talking to this collector, that dealer. And um, if that isn't happening, that takes a, takes that whole aspect of, of it, of the sort of backroom party transaction. Mm -hmm. I mean, art and parties um, are kind of, if you're talking about the art world, if you're talking about making art, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about the art world, yeah, there's a social thing that's Art careers, really, isn't that what we're talking about? We're talking about art mm -hmm. careers. Art career aspect of art, being an artist, there's the mm -hmm. art making, but then there's the part of the selling and getting in shows, and that stuff mm -hmm. is all based, a lot based on running into people, knowing people, being recommended, recommending people. It's a right. lot about partying, right? Right. I just spent 11 years in New York going to all the VIP parties and all the private yeah. this, private yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So you, 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 so, I mean, on one hand, I'd like to think that it levels the playing field, right? Because if you don't, if you aren't invited to those parties, if you're making great work, but it's in Kansas City or, you know, whatever, it would level the playing field. But I also wonder, you know, I wonder if people are going to, like, what do you think, what about with the really high-end people, the people who really just travel around the world and go to art fairs after art fairs? Like, what influence are they going to have? Well, I think you have to come in contact with your role as someone who's saying something that's tangible and valuable to people so that when you say it, that something changes. And I take that kind of thing very seriously. Although some of my posts are a little wacky, I, it's there's a deliberate 
nature to them. And mm -hmm. I think in relation to your question, um, we have to come to terms with paradigm shifts and we have to be comfortable with them. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're just going to be broken and injured and limping through uh, in a new reality that's been imposed upon us. And um, so, yeah, there, it's, it's, um, it's challenging because um, we don't know what kind of a world we're in because none of this mm -hmm. is settled. All of this is still in play. People are still Excellent dying. Point. Things are still closing. Some things are opening. Like, for example, I was talking to somebody who was talking about New York and how when they closed the restaurants, the restaurants were suffering. And then they opened the restaurants and you could do takeout or outdoor dining. So the mm -hmm. restaurants built a bunch of pagodas outside of their restaurants. Mm -hmm. Then they closed dining again and the homeless moved into the pagodas. So it became kind of <laughs> almost sort worse with the, with the, I mean, better for the homeless because they had some shelter in the winter. But almost, you know, I mean, it'd be nice if that was organized so that, like, when the restaurants are not open, the homeless could live in the. <laughs> I love that idea. If they could keep it clean for the dining patrons, it's very complicated. I don't think that's I mean, likely. Yeah. Anyways, I to answer your question. Mm -hmm. The reason I was talking about indoor outdoor dining and all that kind of stuff is because the restaurant industry doesn't have the kind of high art aesthetic that the art world has. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to sell food and bring customers in mm -hmm. and they'll do that any way that they're allowed. Mm -hmm. And professional sports is another example. They put all these cardboard cutouts in, in the stands. Mm -hmm. And they even had TV monitors with like little Wayne tuning in or different celebrities tuning in and renting these monitors or being paid to be on the, in this case, celebrities probably paid by the basketball NBA or whatever. I don't see any creativity in the art world on that level. Yeah. And the art right. world supposed to be this creative place. I'm seeing more creativity in professional sports than I am in the art world. You know, I think that's such an excellent point because I've thought about that too. I think that like these, um, you know, these rooms, virtual viewing rooms, I mean, I've been reading about how ineffective they are and how expensive they are to make. Oh, no, was it Christie's or Sotheby's? Did um, They did like kind of converted it to an online auction house. Was it Christie's or was it Sotheby's? And they had multiple screens and people could attend the, the auction in a kind of a virtual way. I mean, just doing a virtual gallery or a virtual viewing room that's more or less just a website is, is I think the art world could, could open it up in a way, in a different way. I don't know exactly how. I know. I mean, as far as the art fairs go, what if there was like a bunch of drones this was another that was another post that i made why couldn't you give collectors a drone and the drone would have a camera on it and the drone would fly on you know the way they do drone words in the sky mm -hmm. like when the button 
Biden had his inauguration. They had a word in the sky. I can't remember what it was or a shape. And the drones flew in an exact formation. Mm-hmm. So like give that. all these collectors and art fair people, charge them a fee, set up all these little drones, send the drones through the art fair. Well, you can, and it's on, it's on a pre-programmed course. And you can say, wait in this, wait in this booth. And then they, and they fly into the next booth and they look around and they have cameras on them. And, and you can have, you know, either that or just actual people with handheld cameras just walking through and doing a virtual tours. I hope, I hope the right people hear this idea. I think it's. Well, you know, I'm just saying um, the art world is supposed to be. Um, creative right so now is the time to be creative people what about like kenny schachter is doing this thing or i've been reading it about he's been talking about it anyway where you can buy a digital piece of work that has like a provenance or something like that um i mean the, to me the 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 difference with art the art world and sports and stuff like that is that if you don't see the work in person it's very different particularly with things like painting and I have to look at some of Kenny Schachter's posts I haven't been reading his stuff for years mm -hmm. I haven't oh, yeah. been really I did see the Jerry Saltz post recently that everybody was angry about yeah what did but I didn't let's... know that there was a problem until he said there was a problem Jerry and then, yeah. Yeah. And then it was in the New York Post that there was some kind of controversy. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess when you get to a certain point where you've been on a reality show and won a, is it a Pulitzer Prize that he won? Pulitzer Prize. Right. Once you get to that level and you have a publicist and whatever it is, it's like your posts on social media become this kind of talking point that spills over into the media. In this case, my posts are spilling over into the dr lisa show <laughs> hey you know could be could be worse what, could some be worse. People do, what some people do is actually hire um syndicated people that syndicate things in the press oh really yeah you know like think a lot of a lot of this media stuff is all all very um kind of pre-planned but I don't want to get into the Illuminati level of all no, of that. No, but can you explain, since we're, we're talking about it now, can you explain to the to our listeners that might not know about Jerry Saltz what, what it was that he's a famous art critic, guys. Well, I'm, not critic. A spokes, it, I'm not his spokesperson. No, I know, but just tell them about the uh, controversy, what he said. Well, I read what he wrote. And I think it was something about the critic puts more work, has to put more work into the art review than the artist puts into the work of art or something. Right, right. He was basically, was? Uh, he was basically, I mean, the gist of it was he was basically saying that being an art critic is sort of a higher art than actually making the art or more. Well, I think that's, I think that's the prerogative of the person who's the art critic to have that position. I don't understand why it's anybody's business to say that he's not allowed to have that opinion or position perspective. Well, I think he's a bit, he's kind of a lightning rod, isn't he? He's like, well, I mean, if you're going to say something in public and you want people to talk about it and you want people to learn something from it, then it has to be kind of shock and awe or lightning rod or provocative. Otherwise don't say anything at all because people don't notice 
when you say things that are kind of yeah sitting on the fence you have right. to like and so he's very good at committing to an idea for good or for bad and then dealing with whatever fallout and fallout comes with it and i'm sure he's fully aware of that there's going to be a certain amount of fallout from what he's saying mm-hmm. going back in and then saying oh well i really screwed up yesterday or whatever like I didn't even realize that he felt like he screwed up until I saw that he posted that he screwed up. I would never go back in unless I, I mean, I think it's, it has a reality TV feel to it, but it is what it is. That's his thing that he's doing. And some people are really entertained by that sort of thing and also get self-promotion by commenting on it themselves. I also think people get a kick out of feeling like there's a certain kind of inside baseball like you guys like how we just had to explain that to you if you don't know about the art world see how no and i know about the art world that we can talk about this gossip where you i think there's part of that too part of what well i think i think people in the art world like to feel like i'm in the art world i can have a conversation oh. about gossip a, with jerry about point? jerry like, mm-hmm. I, I like Roberta Smith. I've I've met her. She's lovely, and I enjoy what she does. I have appreciation for what Jerry Saltz does. Um, I think um, if people want to be in a public position and represent the art world, I think that's fantastic. I think there should be more people like that. Mm-hmm. But there are only a few people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you see... 17,000 people liking a statement or there's not that many people in the art world no in the actual art world the percentage of people that are actual like important potent interesting people in the art world even when I make a post there's a lot of people that maybe are artists or art enthusiasts but they don't all claim to be art world people or or even would categorize themselves as art world people I mean, art is a universal thing. Everybody in the world mm-hmm. knows what it is, but mm-hmm. I don't think art world, the art world is something that there's like thousands and thousands and thousands. Of so do you make distinctions about who's in the art world and who isn't based on? No, like- I'm just saying that if I see something where there's a big controversy and Jerry mm-hmm. Saltz makes a statement and people are arguing it, only a small percentage of those people are actually really potent, really important, quote unquote. Or have influ- are influencers. Right. The yeah. rest of the people are maybe, you know, maybe they took Slush part pile. in college and went, became a lawyer or they're like, they have their hands in somebody's torso operating on their heart mm-hmm. and they happen to like check their email with their nose while they're doing <laughs> surgery or you know what I mean? That's a good uh, scenario. You can't just just with that or with anyone, anyone with your show, with anyone that's talking about art, even with the art magazines that are that are publishing, like Freeze Magazine and Art Forum, and not everyone that reads these art magazines or comments on art-related topics or is interested in in art in that way is part of the um, part of the art world. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, I think there's the, I think what we're talking about is sort of two different things. One is 
the relationship that the artist has with their art, which is sort of the primary, I mean, shouldn't that, like, it's really funny, that should be the primary focus of an artist. But then there's all this other stuff that is now coagulated in just being social media, where people mm -hmm. are trying to get attention. I guess that's my, that's right. I guess that's my point, is that it's not so much that, that they're related to the art world, it's that they're, they're social media people. Like, yeah. you know, like they just become a social media person. And probably every, almost everyone in the world um, has either appreciates art or could tell you what the Mona Lisa is. Or yeah, of course. Name Van Gogh, Da Vinci and Oh know, yeah, our, our, yeah. Everyone un has some relationship to art. Everyone Picasso, on the planet. Costo, Monet, Da Vinci, ca cavemen. Yeah, people have a. They have an interest in art, and they can kind of. But then, certain people know how to talk to people in general about art. Mm-hmm. But still, kind of also talk to the art world mm -hmm. whereas some people only know how to talk to people that appreciate art criticism or theoretical stuff or they don't bridge the gap and be kind of like a populist speaker in that sort of way and i'm not talking about like trump per se mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. we've already been through that nightmare but <laughs> um there's a way of doing populism where you're not representing that kind of evil or that kind of um, idiocy, right wing, whatever. You, maybe you're just populist. You're talking about art or you're talking about fashion or, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. populism doesn't have to be evil. So you see Jerry as, Jerry's somebody that can communicate to sort of a broad audience. Yeah, I mean, he does that. He doesn't, uh, my endorsement doesn't mean anything. I, nobody needs my endorsement. They, well, they've been doing it for years without me. It's fine. No, I mean, that's the way that he, he's talented at that. He is very, very talented. You know, I've been doing, like you're talking to me about these things that I've been posting recently. That was a conscious choice to do a daily post where mm -hmm. I could talk to people about certain issues that I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. And they've resonated, which is sort but of it interesting. From, it's not an art criticism thing for me because I'm not an art critic. I'm an artist. No, I, that's how I read them. I read them. What, what I think is really interesting about them is that, and I've seen you go through different um, phases. You know, I, I, I have, I keep my eye on you, Noah, wow. and and um, you've done different styles of posts and stuff like that. And I think that you're onto something with this. But I think that what it what it comes from is kind of like an ability to communicate. You know, I think you've done some trial and error, and I think well, you know that I play the saxophone, right? 
Right. Can yes. That? Yes. Yes. Everyone, right. we should also, we forgot that Noah is also a professional. You're a professional. You get paid to play it. You play, do you at a well, gig, right? There's not a, ton, there's not a ton of public jazz concerts nowadays. No, but you are a professional. People should know that. Yeah. I've, I've a lot recorded going. on a lot of, a lot of different mm -hmm. albums and mm -hmm. performed at the village Vanguard and other like big jazz clubs and things like that in New sure. York. And, and that's performing and that's kind of the low they used to call it the low end of show business in a way what do you mean by so that so i have a feeling for, it's a low it's not like being rihanna or pop culture uh, or beyonce or something where you're like playing to stadiums you might be playing to a club of 80 people mm-hmm um, so that's why they call it the low end of show business. Or there's ah. some, it's still show business, but it's just a much kind of well, more subtle version. Of, you're on stage uh, in front of an audience with people buying tickets. I mean, that's true. Yes. Not, not, so not common or easily done. That wasn't my phrase, the low end of show business. But okay. anyways, um, what was my point? Oh, um, I know what talking to an audience, a live audience is mm -hmm. because I've done it tons and tons and tons mm -hmm. of time for 30 years. Mm -hmm. So that has a, um, an effect on the way that I talk to people on social media. Mm -hmm. I have a feeling for audiences in that kind of way. Yeah, I think you have a talent, a proclivity to that because just in the fact that you're a publisher of a magazine, um, you know, that's a lot of work. So you are motivated to be in that role and you're well, good at it, you know. I would like to just make paintings or I would like to just play the saxophone or just publish a magazine, but um my Warholian agenda says that I have to publish an interview magazine and have an art practice and do, do things that are um, varied. And also I think they feed into each other and I wouldn't, wouldn't have the opportunity to do them, um, do them as well. Um, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do them as well um, if they weren't all feeding into each other in that um, kind of way yeah um like there's an uh there's a kind of a, a an energy that goes into each in its own kind of way we, we have to we have to call the, yeah so okay we i was gonna call that out but let's just move on so uh that there's other people um mm -hmm. so so the, there are you there's other people so um what do you why do you do what why what is it specifically about being the publisher that what role is that for you or how does that what do you mean by warholian being the publisher being warholian what does warholian familiar sp mean what do you what do you mean Noah? Um, what do you mean well just i think things that um that warhol would do or to him or whatever. I mean, I've read practically every book on Warhol that I that I could, mm -hmm. and I've also 
become friends with a lot of people from the factory mm-hmm. and from his circle of people and Basquiat's circle of people and mm-hmm. those kind of things. And mm-hmm. Just kind of, I traced a history to the point where I exhausted that search mm-hmm. and then real and tried to influence my own social scene, publishing scene, art practice, mm-hmm. fashion sense. Mm-hmm. So he, but like, is it like he had a bigger vision than just the actual paintings? The actual Let me put work? it to you this way. Mm-hmm. When I researched Warhol and then I ended up getting a booth at Nada Art Fair. Mm-hmm. And I saw in all the art dealers in their own booths there that they had also researched Warhol and they had their own kind of take on on the influence of Warhol on fashion and culture in mm-hmm. a way. And I could just kind of see that in an un, sort of an unspoken way. I could sort of see that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really, um, it wasn't like a literal thing. It was, it was a, um, just kind of an obvious, uh, an obvious thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I've run into, and then it's kind of like when you're on LSD, you run into other people who are on LSD. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? Or when you're smoking pot, you run into other people who smoke pot. Maybe. Yeah. Or when you're drunk, you run into other drunk people. Like when you're, I, when you're Warholian, you mm-hmm. run into other Warholian types. Mm-hmm. But I'm way less Warholian now than I, like, it's not something that I'm, that I deliberately do, but it was kind of a script I was up here in Canada and I started reading about the invention of Interview Magazine and different Warhol stuff, Warhol situations, social situations, and a couple light bulbs went on and I thought, I bet you I could just kind of use this as a guide to sort of create a social milieu and a publishing thing and and an art practice. And then it just kind of fell apart and ended up becoming the Noah Becker show, whatever that means. (laughs) You know, like I'm sure you were probably influenced by somebody at some point in what you're doing. A lot of people. Yeah. Right. And then you just kind of lose track of where those inspirations come from. And it just kind of all melts together and becomes the new unique version of yourself. Right. Well, I don't think that, people necessarily make conscious decisions about that stuff. I mean, I think that you're good at like organizing things and bringing people together. You did all those great parties on the rooftop of uh, the Jane Hotel. Like 100 years ago. I miss like those. Those ago. were really great. But see, you're like the guy that would organize. For me, what why I like when you organize things is I think you're really good at making people feel comfortable. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, when I show up, I feel like, oh, Noah's glad to see me. He invited me, blah, blah, right. blah, blah. And I don't, oh, I don't think people that might always. Be true. That might be true. That I was talking to somebody in a podcast yesterday, and they were saying at how corporate and sort of antiseptic the art world has become. And I think maybe you're just reacting to like, you go to, a lot of these openings that people act like they're doing you a favor, letting you 
walk in the room or something. Yeah, well, I do. I mean, I don't feel, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, I haven't spent my whole life in the art world. It's really much more concentrated in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, um, actually, the pandemic for a while was really good because it really helped me just focus on what do I think of my work and, you know, what the value of my work is and am, am I growing through my work. But, you know, there's this other aspect that um, maybe maybe it's my neuroses, which I am filled with. I have some, you know, I own them. I own my neuroses. I'm not trying to show them off, but I own them. And a lot of times I feel like not cool enough or, you know. Well, I heard something in, in relation to that that I liked. It was something that Gregory Crudson was talking about. You know, the photographer Gregory yes. Crudson? He Famous photographer, guys. Yeah. He was talking about how there's three... Um, three things you have to master in making a work of art. And if you can harmonize these three things, then you'll make a great piece of art. And the first one was art history and the relation to art history with the piece that you're making. Mm -hmm. The second one was your thoughts, dreams, paranoias, fascinations, obsessions, like your personal story. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing was um, where the work of art sits in our current time. Hmm. And if you can bring those things together. So I started looking art and looking at art in that way. And it's an interesting way of thinking about it. I don't know where he got it. Maybe one of his professors mm -hmm. at school told him about it or something, or maybe he invented it. But when I look at his work, I see that. I see the current world. I see the relation to art history in his photographs. Mm -hmm. And I see how it relates to, to this time. And sometimes they look a little bit dated. They, they look like they're from the time that they're in. So maybe he was thinking about where it sits in the time when he made it. Mm -hmm. um, well, I don't well, think, I think leaving those things to chance is, um, is the way some people work, but I'm starting to be less intuitive with those elements now. Hmm. What do you have a goal in mind? Like what you want from the work or like what is I want it helping to resonate you? like the way like a Cindy Sherman photograph resonates or or rip where it's just kind of you're fascinated by it. You don't exactly know what it is. You're a little mm -hmm. bit frightened by it at first glance because there's something kind of shockingly mm -hmm. shock there's a shocking clarity to the way that the thought who's ever thought process went into making it, or maybe you're confronted by the colors or, you know, number, you just, when you see something that's really, really good, there's an ominous feeling that sort of hits you and it's, mm. um, and I'm, I'm not even talking about liking you know, they say mm -hmm. that that's like the amateurs thing. It's like, I don't know what art is, but I know what I like. Yeah, or like. Not exactly. I'm not, I'm not talking about like, mm -hmm. oh, I like that or I like that. Or, mm -hmm. I'm talking about like just being open to being affected by something without having a, a like or a dislike function. 
But do you think that having it like the last element you said that it's what is it of the time or something so having how it, sits in, in, how it sits in the time right if i made something that like sort of sat in the time of like right now like today this afternoon like at this moment while we're talking now i'm getting into an ornette coleman i i studied mm -hmm. saxophone with ornette coleman so wow really wow yeah so he had a lot of thoughts that kind of made their way into into my brain he was always ta talking a lot about at this moment ah um, I feel like in a certain way, there's been a sort of a scramble for people and I'm probably part, I'm part of it to make work during the pandemic, about the pandemic, about the Trump era, all that stuff to I'm make sure it. People really want to see Trump art. Not anymore, but for a while. Do you think there they don't anymore? Been, I don't think there's been very, very, I think the Trump stuff has been more memes than it than it's been actual visual art. Right. I think that we've grown out of that. I think like uh, the Barbara Kruger paintings of or photographs of Ronald Reagan, where it's like silence equals death and all this sort of stuff from that era. Mm -hmm. I think those are like memes before memes existed. Right. Right. Like Barbara Kruger is basically making giant memes before memes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Right. Before Supreme Clothing Company ripped off her <laughs> her logo style, but oh, and yeah, you see it a lot. I mean, so did uh, so did Instagram. They use that uh, bold italic type. Serrano had a show which was like a collection of Trump posters and T-shirts. Oh, and I saw that. Did you? Yeah, it was really. Have you seen it? Did you see no. it? No, it was funny. It was just sort of like a giant collection of everything Trump or something. Yeah, Trump products and Trump ads, things that were products of his business, you know, mm -hmm. steak ads and bottles and, mm -hmm. you know, golf yeah, I mean, balls. There's, there's an aspect of it that kind of resonates, but there, there was um, visual art about politics is I just don't I think social media kind of has kind of killed that because it's all very much like what are people talking about today mm -hmm. I I think a lot of art I think because uh, uh, everything's happening on social media I think that a lot of art is sort of made people are starting to make art I think you can't help but be influenced by what you make. How is this going to translate to social media? I mean, do you think about mm -hmm. that? Uh, I think that's becoming something that's kind of ingrained in people's mind is how it reproduces because mm -hmm. most of the people that see work nowadays see it in reproduction or on social mm -hmm. media or something like that. And also we're sort of... Um, it's also censored if you're if it's important to you that all of your work shows up on social media then it's also censored in relation to the censorship that like if you take like betty tompkins or some mm -hmm. of these artists that have come really head to head spencer tunic or yeah. other people that have come really head head to head with censorship on social media it's it's become part of the palette of expression or lack of ability to express but it's also so weird how 
you're evaluating the work by the amount of likes it gets or the amount of, you know. Well, that's what I was saying. When What about the idea of looking at a work of art and not having a thumbs up or thumbs down function going off in your head? Yeah, I mean. Oh, sorry. There's a love button. There's a care button. <laughs> an anger button. There's no dislike button. You can either like something. It's either thumbs up, thumbs down, care, love, or anger. It's not. It's not very um, subtle. You don't have a lot of subtle. I wish you could do all of those at the same time, like thumbs up, thumbs down, care, love, anger, and right, like all at the same. Just a whole bundle. That would be that would. I wish they brought broke them down a lot more subtly. Or why aren't there any negative ones? There's well, only there's angry. Of, obviously there's a lot more emojis that you can add in comments than just those buttons. If you're talking about Facebook or something, there's a whole world of emojis and memes, and there's a million different ways to express yourself. You can also just make a comment and say, "Hey, this is very puzzling. I don't know if I like this." Or, well, it's so weird, though, like you can have like a whole show like I had a show this summer and, you know, it was in a gallery and you could go see it, but it there wasn't any like opening or anything. And you don't feel a little don't bit. Get, yeah, I feel we don't get that feedback. You don't get mm -hmm. that feedback of somebody seeing the work in person and you don't get to give mm -hmm. it either. And I find that to be. Don't you feel a little bit strange, though, about like encouraging people to gather? Oh, I'm not. I'm not interested in encouraging people to gather or come look at anything. I'm just mm. saying that it's a strange relationship that you ha that we all have with the stuff we make. You know what? No, we only have a minute and a half, and mm -hmm. I want to make sure that um, everybody knows where they can find you, find your work, and I also want to... Instagram is at New York Becker, so you spell New York out. It's not NY. It's New York Becker whitehotmagazine.com is the magazine noahbeckerart.com is my personal art website and uh, i have a podcast on spotify and anchor which is the white hot magazine podcast which i hope to have you on oh that would be great i would love that mm -hmm. yeah check it out you guys it's really good stuff and really thought-provoking. And uh, if you don't know a lot about art, it's a, it, it is a really good way to find out a lot. And um, We have five over 5,000 articles online, hundreds of thousands of images and so millions of words really, for people to look at. And really great writers, and it's very international. But I just want to say, and thanks so much for being, being here. That was a really oh, interesting. Oh, and this is my second time doing yes. radio. Yes. And I also want to say um, that you guys should check out RadioFreeBrooklyn.com, okay? We have some great programming, and we also have an amazing lineup this afternoon. You know who's on right after me is Elon Danziger on Lost and Rewound. And so stick around. Don't go anywhere. And I'll see you next Thursday, okay? Thanks a lot. Dr. Lisa gives a shit. Dr. Lisa gives a shit.